And welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. I'm Jim Binkley with the Editor-in-Chief, ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. Hello. And also the Cream Dog is in here with us tonight as well. Good what a, what a trio we have going. Yeah, three amigos. That's us. No question about it. See? Ready for New Year's, Pete? I am. I'm ready to get on to 2021, hoping for better things. Perhaps we start it the same way with a Chiefs Super Bowl. Well, may have that opportunity. The Chiefs are going to rest a lot of players coming up this week. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, swollen knee, Tyreek Hill, hamstring, Mike Rimmer's back. Clyde with the ankle, and of course we knew that was going to happen. Ben Neiman, a hamstring, because Ben Neiman got pulled out after three tackles. Yep. Sammy Watkins with the calf strain did not practice per coach Andy Reid today. Yeah, I think we knew about a lot of these injuries and it's to the point of the year where now the chiefs really aren't playing for any playoff implications. You may as well rest anybody that has a question mark surrounding them. If there's any question that they could get further injured or maybe could use the rest, why not just go ahead and do it? I think that's what the chiefs are doing on the good front though. You had Damian Wilson, Return to practice for the first time since, I believe, week 13. That was the good news of the deal because he has not been. And he's always been did not practice. For Uncle Dave Tobe, Dorian O'Daniel, back in the mix, yeah. returns to practice. He won't be on the injury report because he's still on injured reserve. And by the way, this Chargers injury list is full. People keep talking about, well, this is going to be backups for the Chiefs. <laughs> Maybe for the Chargers as well. Jaleel and I did not practice. Right. Joey Bosa did not practice. Casey Hayward Jr. didn't practice. Chris Harris Jr., didn't practice. Denzel Perryman, limited practice. And Donald Parham uh, did not practice as well. So the Chargers, full of injuries yeah, I think as well. It's the same thing a little bit on the L.A. side. I mean, the season's over for them, too. And Except they've won three in a row, and if they want to save Anthony Lynn's job. I, I know, but at the same time, it's like I, I look in Carolina, what they're doing with Christian McCaffrey. Just shut them down. I mean, shut your stars down. Why risk anything? If there's a question, I mean, this is – a next year thing for the Chargers. And with that quarterback, you know, Chiefs fans don't love to hear this, but I, you know, they have a chance to be competitive. So get ready for next year. Chad Henney is the new starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, well, I, listen, I think he's excited. Um, I always tell him, uh, you know, act like you're 20, man. You know, try to remember those days and and uh, and feel it. So he, he uh, you know, he he's all in. He's excited. Great opportunity. It's Andy with the announcement that we speculate. I even have a question from you. I'm going to get to here in a second from earlier this week about Chad Henney. But here was Chad Henney when asked about, you know, what would it feel like going 15 and one and being a part of that? I mean, it'd be great opportunity. I mean, not only for myself, but for this team, uh, for this franchise, you know, they signed me uh, this past year to come in for these opportunities and just always be ready. So uh, to give back to them, just as they give back to me, um, it'd be a tremendous opportunity for me. And do you remember when Andy Reid said, play like you're 20? Well, Pete Sweeney, this guy right here, ask him about that. And also a follow-up question. Chad, I was wondering what was your immediate reaction to Andy Reid saying, go out and feel like you're 20 again? I mean, it's cool. Uh, I mean, it's it's the opportunity. Uh, anytime you get an opportunity to go out there and be the starter in the NFL, it's, uh, you know, you take it, you don't take it for granted. And, um, you know, play like you're 20. It's just go out there and be you, like I said. I mean, you know, obviously I'm not 20. I'm 35 right now. But, you know, I can still move a little bit and hopefully, you know, get out there and show some things that I have. 
Yeah. And to, to make it in the NFL, I think we all have an understanding of just how much of a competitor you have to be given. It's been so long. Is there this intrinsic feeling of, you know, how can I still do this? Can I still do this? And that you want to prove it to yourself? Sure. Deep down and always, I mean, when we go out there and practice against the defense each and every day, I mean, I try to, you know, give them the best look each and every week and, you know, fit, you know, throws in there that, you know, or tight throws and that you normally do in the game that you have to make. So I think, you know, being prepared all the, all the way through this year with the defense and, you know, giving them a look, hopefully it will prepare me for the Sunday. Yeah, credit Chad Henney for being out there with the defense, giving them a look. That's a, that's a part of this equation. But I'm going to ask you this, Pete. Yeah. Because last year, Chad Henney goes on the IR in September. Right. He's elevated back in October. He was fresh towards the end of the season. But Matt Moore was the backup for this team. He was found himself inactive a lot. When it came to Super Bowl 54, it was Patrick Mahomes and Matt Moore as the quarterbacks. Chad Henning was inactive. Mm. This year, tables turn a bit. Chad Henning's back to being the backup quarterback, and Matt Moore is on the practice squad, which, listen, he's there probably. They don't. I don't know what they're doing quarantine-wise, but right. they're being uh, smarter than what the Broncos were. I think you got to have a couple quarterbacks in the mix, especially with what has been going on in the world. And going back to last year, yeah, I mean, Matt Moore went one and one and beat a Minnesota Vikings team that made the playoffs. I think it gets to a certain point in the year with Andy Reid where he says to himself, okay, things have been going well and we're on a roll. Let's not really change anything. And Moore won a game in the season, so I think they kept him – Going similar in a sense to what they did when Wiley was healthy and Wisniewski was in. Well, we just won these last two games with Wisniewski. Let's keep it rolling. And then why take him out? Why change anything at a certain point? But we didn't see Wisniewski this game. I know, but I... That's, I, you know, I, that's a guy I want to see. I, I understand. But I'm more so saying I, I think Andy Reid looked and went into the offseason with this quarterback situation and, and said, look, Chad Henney was supposed to be our guy. We like him in the room. You could tell he's kind of this player coach, and now he gets rewarded with being able to start a game. His first game in six years, wow. Andy Reid has said, okay, we want you to act like you're 20. Chad actually happens to be 35. He makes me feel young again because I'm, <laughs> I'm older than most of the Chiefs at this point. I'm a very, very young team, and Henny's actually my elder, so it's exciting to cover <laughs> an older uh, player again, so we'll see how he does on Sunday. Much younger. You asked uh, Andy Reid this question Monday when the writing was cut on the wall. He was announced today, but you kind of knew the writing was on the wall, as we all did, but this was a good question. Good afternoon, Coach. Um, just wanted to confirm two points. I just wanted to confirm that if not, if it's not Patrick, it, it'll be Chad. And then since we don't really get to see, especially this year, and talk to him, so what has he meant to that room since you guys were able to acquire him in, in 18? Yeah, well, he's done. He's done. He's been great. I mean, he <clears throat> he understands the role, which is like the number one thing, right? You gotta you have to understand the role, and then like any relief pitcher, you have to be ready. Uh, at all times and and then there's a certain amount of discipline that goes with being ready for these game plans when you're not repping them <clears throat> you've got to stay mentally sharp with it and you've been at practice where you these guys they take all the reps they just do it back behind everybody and and so uh he's in tune with that he never gripes he's been great for patrick uh for as somebody that he can bounce things off of uh, that's in the moment right now. So, and, and it leads to a great, um, a great room. I mean, you've got more in there also. So um, all of a sudden he's got two veteran guys around him that have been there, done it and, and uh, are two top notch guys. 
on top of all that. So, um, so I, you know, I, I, and I would tell you if, if Pat doesn't go, then Chad would be the guy. Yes. Great question. He said, he said, uh, thanks Pete. I don't know if you caught that at the beginning. Sure. He acknowledged you, Pete. But uh, I loved it. But <laughs> but Chad hitting Matt Moore, I would love to see Matt Moore in this game, too, a little bit. You want to see both. I'm not 100% uh, Miami Dolphin situation. If something goes down wrong, you you want more and Henny And, you know, Mahomes, I would, he'd be inactive to me. He'd be an inactive quarterback. Now, he can – I don't know where they have to be exactly inactive. Right. He's usually up there in the club or whatever. But Patrick Mahomes right now is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. There's no question. But uh, might see them both. I think Mahomes is yeah. I think Mahomes is inactive. I guess it's possible that we see Matt Moore. Who knows how how it goes? But you're right. There is a little bit of a question mark there. We've been fortunate this year in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and the fact that he was able to stay healthy throughout the season, and you didn't have to really turn to the backup. But you never know what can happen. And we saw it in Philadelphia where they needed the backup to roll through the playoffs, and he did. So it is an important position, even though we sometimes forget about it because, again, Patrick Mahomes has been healthy for most of the year, if not all of it. Pete, uh, let's look back at this uh, Falcons-Chiefs game for just a second. It doesn't really matter. Chiefs won 17-14. to 14. Mm. Not a crisp game from the offense, and I think we can agree on that. I, I will throw this caveat out there. Against the Dolphins and Saints, those are the number two and number four scoring defenses in the NFL, and this offense put up 65 points, right. respectively, on the road against two teams that right now, well, Saints could be the two seed, but the Dolphins in the playoffs as we sit right now. And they weren't exactly sharp, but they were the first two games before. What was your biggest takeaway from that game? Did you shake anything away and said, all right, I, I feel good about this? I I like where the defense is, is coming into the playoffs at right now. I, I think they found their pressure again. I thought for having, man, like literally no experience at the second level. They were good enough to win the football game, which said a lot to me. LeJarrius Sneed is looking like one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL, so I, I like where the defense is at. And then on the other side, to me, it just is a reminder that, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, is a human being, right? So, like, he has been so good for so long that we forget that he could have a, a bad day, a poor day, and it does give you a little bit of pause since – it was the final game, and he won't get another run through. The next time we're going to see him is the divisional round. But I look at that as okay. I mean, the chances of this guy having his second poor game in a row after three weeks of prep with the bye week master Andy Reid, I don't think you have to be worried about. I needed to see it from the defense, and I did. I didn't need to see the offense succeed. They had a bad day, and they were still able to win. We've said that a lot lately. Now they'll get some rest, and I think they come out firing in three weeks. We'll talk uh, about Willie Gay and Darius Harris, Amari Cobb, and, and more with uh, our defensive film analyst uh, Craig Stout here coming up at 30 minutes past. We'll talk to Kent Swanson about the offense next. And I didn't want to bring this up, Pete, and it's just I'm not sitting here picking on Colin Cowherd or anything, but <laughs> I, I do feel that he represents I, – I told I told Cody today, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a consumer of information. I love ESPN, NFL Network. I love watching any NFL content. Yes. When they start talking Chiefs, I flip the TV off. I just – You don't want to hear it. Like, literally flip it off but I, I or change it because I'm tired of the narrative. Listen, this team has seven games. Yes, they've won six points or less, but the bottom line is you can look at the Coke as half full or half empty. They're looking at it as half empty, not half full. Because when you talk to players like James Jones, 
Rich Gannon was on the drive earlier and said this will make him better in the postseason. Yeah. When you talk to these former players like James Jones, Jeff Saturday stood up for the Chiefs and said, hey, you're winning the games. You know how hard it is to win games in the NFL? But it's just nonsense that you hear about the Chiefs. Here's 40 seconds of what the nonsense I'm talking about. <laughs> this is Colin Coward. I put him three in their power rankings. Even though in DVOA, Chiefs are fourth, but they've beaten one, two, and three. Not bad, huh? Kansas City. Yes, they've won seven straight games all by six points. That's not a top team in the NFL. They've got seven giveaways in the last three games. They have the worst red zone defense in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes. But the third fewest chances. Eight touchdowns, five turnovers, and a passer rating in the high 80s. Again, as Trent Dilfer said, their their floor is really high. They play poorly and win. But at some point, that's in the regular season. You're going to face the best coaches and the best coordinators and the best teams and the best momentum (laughs) in the next two weeks. And they're just not clicking. First of all, they had the coaching advantage in each game that they're going into, and there's no question about that whatsoever. The yeah. other thing is, too, is weighted DVOA, which is pretty much the top way to look at NFL teams. New Orleans, number one, Tampa, number two, Green Bay, number three, Kansas City, number four. Kansas City's beat number one, two in that list, and number five is Buffalo. They've beaten them as well, and there's the Chiefs at four. But it's nonsense, Pete, that we have to keep hearing this. Yes, they're coming back from close games, but you forget the fact the Packers and Bills are combined two wins against teams right now in the playoffs. Chiefs have four, five. It, well, so now that the Ravens are in the playoffs, five. Right. Road I, wins. I, I just think it's it, it's a, a thing for me where I would feel more confident. And I'm telling you the truth here. I mean, I would feel more confident about the Chiefs if they were able to win by more than one score one time over the last seven games. There's no doubt about it. But I, I think what sometimes gets lost – nationally is the chiefs could go into the playoffs and it just simply doesn't matter if they win by one or three or whatever. If they win, they win. And that point is like never really brought up. They're winning these games. It's such a basic premise for me. Like we saw them last year and, and I know they were able to win by more than 10 each time, but they were games and they managed to win. They don't go back and say, yeah, but you were down 24 nothing to the Houston Texans. They don't take that win away from you. And same thing if it's a three-point win or a one-point win. And so, yeah, I think you could feel both, and that's what I feel like. It There is a little bit of a concern that they were never able to pull away. That being said, you win close games in the postseason, you still win the Super Bowl. Well, everybody's darling the Tennessee Titans. Get their ass kicked in Tennessee, 42-16. <laughs> to 16. Chiefs beat the Bills. The Packers went to Tampa Bay, the same place that the the Chiefs got a victory and lost 38-10. to You won't see Mahomes losing by more than one possession. Real quick, Pete. Yes. Uh, Cody and I were talking about this earlier. Tennessee, Baltimore, Browns, Dolphins, Colts. Obviously, none of them are locked into the postseason. Out of that group, which is one you wouldn't want to see. Who's the team out of that group? Ten, Tennessee, Baltimore, Browns, Dolphins, and Colts. That you say, I don't want to see these guys in the playoffs. Just let them be out. I think Baltimore... I just I think they're starting to come on, and I, I think they play way better as a come-up team where they're sort of an underdog. They, don't, they didn't play well as the favorites, and now they're playing well at the right time. To me, that would be an interesting game. Mine's uh, the Colts. And yeah, defensively? It, it's history. It's the history yeah. with the horseshoe. I, I can and Costanzo's that. hurt. That's hurt but it's, and I know the Chiefs beat them a couple years ago in the playoffs, but they did come in here and win at Arrowhead Stadium, and their coach is the biggest architect of a comeback 
when he was with the Buffalo Bills. So. I think Miami is ultimately the odd man out after this weekend. Yeah, I think so, too. Coming up next, we'll talk Chiefs offense with offensive analyst uh, Kent Swanson. We do that next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley with the Editor-in-Chief, Pete Sweeney, Crame Dog here, producing the operation. Going to talk to Kent Swanson here in just a few seconds about the Chiefs' offense, what to expect. Obviously, you're not going to see... I I imagine this skinny, and I know there's Henny runs the same type of stuff, or he's acclimated himself more with RPOs because when Henny played college ball, they didn't do RPOs. I, this is a new that, thing, but this will be very simple. Game. That, yeah, that's what was interesting to me as he was talking with the press today. I mean, six years is a, a rather long time, and the game has really changed since the last time Henny was a starter. Think about 2014. It wasn't RPO heavy. There wasn't necessarily all the shotgun stuff constantly, the higher pace that some teams like to do. It is really a completely different game, and you don't even think about that when a guy has just been a reliable backup for you know, now the two franchises. Have you thought any more about my question I asked you last week? What's when that? I, the Mac Lee Hill winner, they, they announced it, the 101 awards, so, yeah. which I'm interested in what they're going to do with the, that, that award show this year. It's one of the best in the NFL. The, people, the NFL Network shows it. Yep. It's great. But the rookie of the year for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'll ask this a different way. You can still answer who you think the rookie of the year for the Chiefs is, but who's more impactful, Clyde or Legereus? So let's just say you could take one of those guys to the postseason, mm. the other one getting to get the play. Who that's would it be? A, that's a good way to – ask it because it really makes you make a choice and i mean right now i don't know many people that wouldn't say sneed it would have to be legerious sneed i, I asked I've, I, yeah i asked the Derek johnson and the, all these people that came on with us clyde was the first half of the season but legerious is just coming on so strong he's so versatile in what he could do he's kind of the honey badger light but a younger version you know they had him outside corner they've had him in the slot and he, the nickel corner but he, he's been blitzing it has two sacks last two weeks. It reminds me of Honey Badger with the versatility because Tyron Matthew, when he got to the Chiefs, was the number one defensive back in quarterback pressure since he came in the league. It's kind of similar to me, but just a younger version. And the way that he has been when it comes to just doing what the Chiefs need him to do, like you start the season and Bashad Breland is suspended and you need an outside cornerback and he's able to fill that role for you. Then he gets hurt, which was super unfortunate because I think we'd be talking about the defensive rookie of the year again. Sure. And you put him back in, and suddenly he's a nickel for you. And now that he's able to play the nickel for you, it really releases Tyron Matthew to this ultimate chess piece type of role where he can do whatever Steve Spagnuolo wants him to do on any given play, multiple roles, and I think it makes Tyron Matthew better. And then when Tyron Matthew's better and he's playing well, that feels like everybody plays well. I mean, again, you had – a real lack of experience in there at the second level, and they were fine. And I think a big uh, person involved with that had to have been Tyron Matthew. The offensive line, Pete, Mitch Schwartz is a guy that, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I didn't think that you uh, were believing in him coming back at a point this year. I didn't know if you thought maybe the playoffs, he makes another run at it. Uh, he might run after your media job uh, next year, but do you think he'll play tackle again this season? <laughs> yeah. 
And I say that in jest because he goes on Twitter and breaks things down. Yeah. The guy is going to be a highly coveted media source because he was starting on that offensive we, line with Pat Mahomes. He, he would make a fantastic member of the Arrowhead Pride nerd squad, but tough to put words in his mouth when it comes to, to his career. I don't think he'll be back this year. I, you know, the, the Chiefs fans that have been saying, well, when are we going to get Schwartz back? I, I just don't foresee it. I don't see it happening. I, I think this back issue is a little bit more serious. I think it became clear of that when – they didn't put him on injured reserve at first because you would assume that they thought he'd be back within three weeks, and then he was added to injured reserve. And this is a guy who, look, you don't have to worry about his desire to play. I mean, he played, what, for like seven or eight years straight to start his career. Pro playing. Football Focus, I think, listed him as the best tackle in football coming back this year before the season started. He's got that kind of respect around the league. You hear about guys playing banged up all the time. This is the definition of that. I mean, his face would be in the dictionary if that was a definition. And so it's not even a desired thing. I think he's just hurt. I think his back is messed up. We've seen it with players before. And I had mentioned to the drive earlier today, he had a mentor in this game, Joe Thomas with Cleveland, because where he started his career. He ended up retiring early to preserve his body and, and to feel good and whatnot. I could see it happening again, but I, I keep reiterating this. This is all speculation. I think we know he won't be back this year, but let's see what he wants to do in the future. We'll flip it over to the defense here around uh, 6.30 when we talk to uh, Craig Stout, defensive film analyst, arrowheadpride.com. I want to ask you a couple more things about that offensive line, Pete. Um, I was talking to Cody today, and I was talking about Eric Fisher being the most underrated chief. Mm. I just feel he's a guy, when people are singling out and talking about the Chiefs, which you've Pete, you've seen this stuff at nauseum. It's what you do. You look at the same stuff I do. Right. What are they saying? They talk Tyreek Hill. They talk Travis Kelsey. <laughs> they talk back Mahone. But they don't really talk Eric Fisher. The big fish. You know, here's a guy starting in the Pro Bowl, former number one pick. Two-time Pro no, Bowl. That, yeah, yeah two-time Pro Bowl. He's starting this year. Gutted it out in New Orleans a couple weeks ago. Right. He had that back, but he had to play. I mean, the, the Chiefs are low on tackles. I think he knew that, yeah. And he knew that, but he got it out and played. I don't think he gets near the appreciation or recognition that he deserves for how well he's played for the Chiefs. I think you're right. And one thing that is under-talked about, and I've mentioned it in previous years before, and I believe I wrote it up maybe once or twice even because it's a repeated story, but just the amount of left guards he's had to play with next to. I mean, the one thing and common thing that you always hear offensive linemen talking to you about is we need this continuity. We need this rapport. Well, we, they all have these these hidden signals of when to like cross, like go in front of them and cross. And they always tell or tap each other. There's there's communication. And Dink, I mean, you were just saying that like you follow this stuff. Think about all the left guards that have just run through Kansas City just in his career since 2013. It has been so many different guys. Two last year was Nooski for five games at the end. Yeah, and it can it it varies, and it he is the one staple, and the line is always okay. And so I think that is a huge part of what has made him underrated. Is the lines are successful when they can play a lot of games together. And he has just not been afforded that luxury, yet he continues to excel each year. Granted, look, I mean, it's not someone you look at and, and say, oh, man, th- that guy's one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. But he's just so solid for you each and every year. And we don't call his number a lot. And that can happen with left tackles, especially when your quarterback is getting banged up. Yeah, I just think when you talk about the core and the star players, right. he doesn't get any, and he should. Uh, Wisniewski's a guy, it, here's the thing, I, I liken it to uh, – and I know we'll get to Craig here in a second, but our baseball manager, Ned Yost is always this way. You ask him in April but who his seventh and eighth inning guy are, 
even though there was a defined time there, 14 to 15. But yeah. so ask me in June or ask me in late May. You know what I mean? Because he hadn't figured it out yet. This offensive line has some interesting things because Wisniewski got inserted in New Orleans at right guard. He started left guard for the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl. Started for the Eagles on their Super Bowl championship at left guard. Played right guard in New Orleans. They ran for 179 yards. He's got a touch of that nasty like Colecio Simile. And I'm curious, do they go with the guy like Allegretti? Who's you know inexperienced but playing extremely well? Allegretti is extremely tough. Or do you go with the grizzled vet in a Stefan Wisniewski? I think they're going to stick with Allegretti. That's just how I feel. I think there's a chance for, of always for Wisniewski to play as like this swing guard, which we've we the, this year has been any indication you need to have embarrassment riches a guard. That's yeah. one thing they're loaded with. You need to have these backup offensive linemen, and he'll be ready to go as soon as the Chiefs need him. I don't know if. I mean, he's as effective after that peck injury, you know, that ended up getting him released from Pittsburgh. I mean, that's a lot of the offensive line. It's like that chest. And I, I just wonder if he's been able to get a hundred percent full strength or, or whatever. Again, that is another thing that, you know, we would speculate about, but for whatever reason, you know, they obviously don't feel like he is in Andy Reed's top five right now, but I think he makes for a very, very good backup. Craig Stout, defensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride, as we take a look at the Chiefs' defense next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, Pete Sweeney of Hello. ArrowheadPride.com. Joining us now, defensive film guru, for my money, the best in the business, also Ooh. part of that KC draft guide. His name is Craig Stout. Follow him on Twitter at BarleyHop. No, that has nothing to do with football. It has everything to do with beer. The guy loves two things. What's up, Craig? Hey, how's it going, guys? When did I get upgraded to Guru? Well, that was something I decided last week that you elevated yourself from <laughs> immense was, talent to so, Guru. Somewhere between Renaissance Man and Barley Stunna. Yeah, you do a lot of stuff. After that uh, Imperial nah. Stout, you made me your Guru, right? <laughs> guru of Imperial Stouts as well. Craig, fun game for you uh, this past weekend against the Falcons. Um, for defensive purpose, because that was my biggest takeaway from that game. I think Pete um, is on that as well. Darius Harris got the green dot without having defensive snaps, had special team snap. We got to see the best of Willie Gay, and we even got to see a sprinkle of the former Thundering Herd star, Marshall's Omari Cobb. Yeah, it was really kind of a trial by fire for that linebacking <laughs> core. I mean, big props to Darius Harris for coming in his first week ever being able to step on an NFL field, his first live reps ever since he didn't get to, you know, even play in the preseason last year. To be able to come in, started as the Sam when Ben Neiman went out, he gets the green dot, has to come in, handle play calling duty. Obviously, there was some miscommunications. That's to be, you know, understood with that many guys that you're going through at that position, but Man, I'll tell you what, stepped up in a big way. So kudos to him for really shouldering the load there, helping keep everybody on the same page in a game where the defense really needed to be good because the offense wasn't able to put points on the board. Let me follow that up with the linebackers. 17 tackles made by the linebackers. That includes the three that Ben Neiman had before the injury. I, I even asked Derek Johnson this earlier when he came on as a guest for playing that position well. Because I remember what he said in training camp one time about Atari Poe and the size and the ability to kind of hold up blockers and let the linebackers flow. It seemed with the defensive line, there's four sacks and 
two of the last three games, they were able to really command the defensive line, the line of scrimmage, and those linebackers were actually able to flow and make plays. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Obviously, again, with Darius Harris in there, there was a little bit of run fit mix-ups there, but by and large, they were good. You know, those guys know what they need to do now. Derek Nadi, Mike Pinnell, those guys in the interior really hold gaps well and allow guys like Anthony Hitchens, Willie Gay, Damian Wilson, all these guys to be able to play a little more downhill, not have to worry about taking on so many blockers, not have to worry about having to, you know, absorb an offensive guard, which is one of the things that you're kind of under fire in a one-gap scheme. You're getting to see them be able to move to the ball a little bit better. It's made them better because of that. Now, the Chiefs are really rotating a lot of their defensive lines, like Turk Wharton getting a lot of snaps. You're starting to see a lot more out of Tano Pasig now, a lot more out of Alex Okafor. There's just a more even split. It's not just Frank Clark and Chris Jones going out there and playing, you know, 70, 80, 90% of the snaps. They're getting to scale them back a little bit, and they're still getting production out of that defensive line. Mike Dana's been a great addition as a base defensive end. So we're just getting to see a little more sprinkled in. It's going to make them better in the playoffs because they can constantly throw fresh guys at them and know that they're going to do their jobs like we've seen the past couple weeks. Talking to our defensive film analyst at Arrowhead Pride, Craig Stout, I can guarantee you that nobody in the area outside the Chiefs organization watches more defensive film than Craig. That's why he's a guru, Pete. And that's why this question is so important, because I wouldn't trust anyone else with it outside the Chiefs organization. Scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the defensive unit as a whole headed into the playoffs, given we know that the Chiefs are going to be resting starters on Sunday. So I want a 1-10 to number and then some reasoning as to why. I'm going to say a 7.75 out of 10. Out of 8. I think it it comes down to the dime dime defense here. Uh, That's the problem towards the end of the game. The Chiefs have been up by multiple scores in a lot of these games. Atlanta notwithstanding here, a lot of these games, they've been up by multiple scores. And Steve Spagnuolo, as he did last year, goes to more of a dime defense that puts Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen in the middle of the field, brings Juan Thornhill on there, the, you know, defensive back heavy defense, trying to force offenses to have to throw in the middle of the field, take time off the clock, and keep a lid on the defense so they don't score quick. That hasn't really happened this Mm. year. And so you've seen some teams be able to get themselves back into games, not fully back into games, because I wouldn't say some of those games that have been one-score games have really been threatening to the Chiefs. But there have been a few that have kind of come down to the wire a little bit, and it's because they weren't able to quite close it out like they were last year on a few of those games. I mean, the Patriots game came down to a fourth-down stop with a minute left. I mean, there, there were a few games last year that the defense really stepped up, especially in the dime. We just haven't seen that quite as much this year. I'm still very confident in this defense. If I can get that dime worked out at the end of the game, I think we'd all feel a lot more comfortable about where this defense is going into the playoffs. What are a couple teams in the AFC, you can only name one if you want, that would pose the biggest challenge to this Chiefs defense? I mean, it's it, Buffalo. Buffalo's the, the big one. Josh Allen is playing unreal right now, and Stephon Diggs is the best receiver 
in the league right now. And I don't, I, and no disrespect to Tyreek Hill, who is a top three receiver along with DeAndre Hopkins, but Stephon Diggs has just been ludicrous lately. That offense has enough firepower to be able to hang with the Chiefs if the Chiefs are having an average day. Now, if the Chiefs are good, ain't nobody stopping them. But an average day, I think Buffalo can hang with them. The Baltimore Ravens, even though I think the Chiefs defense and the Chiefs themselves have handled the Baltimore Ravens very well the past couple times that they played them, I think that they just offer enough different stuff that maybe you'd be able to fool some of those linebackers, pick up some you know yards, keep the Ravens in it a little bit close, but it really is the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs that I'm most worried about. Craig, we're getting to the end of the regular season here, and Bink and I were talking about this before. Who is your rookie of the year? Do you give it to Legereus Sneed over Clyde Edwards-Alaire? And then just what kind of find was this for the Chiefs in the fourth round, given you do so much of this draft work? I mean, big hat tip to Turk Wharton, Mike Dana, That's some other rookies. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But, but I mean, it's, it's Legereus Sneed. Yeah. Legereus Sneed is arguably the Chiefs' best cornerback in the slot and on the boundary. And he's playing in the slot. He allows Steve Spagnuolo to do so much more with Tyron Matthew, with those safeties, and you've seen Matthew make the impact because of it. I just think that he's had such a significant difference, made such a significant difference in this defense since he's come back from injury. And to be able to start, like we're talking about them bringing in Willie Gay and getting him adjusted into this you know, defense with a COVID offseason where a lot of these guys didn't get any reps, Legereus Sneed started week one on the boundary and looked phenomenal doing it. Yep. He got hurt, came back, moved to the slot, looked phenomenal doing that too. So I just think that he's been a key ingredient in why this defense has been as good as it has been this year. I, I'm giving the rookie of the year to him. Follow him on Twitter, at Barley Hop. He's defensive film guru for arrowheadpride.com. His name's Craig Stout. Craig, thanks as always. Hey, thanks, guys. DFG, defensive film guru. I like that. He should be uh, that on the title. But uh, speaking of Mike Dana, this guy was undrafted. Mm. Or not, he was drafted by the Chiefs, but a lot of the magazines had him as an undrafted. Day or seventh-round guy. Fifth-round fifth round pick for the Chiefs. Yeah, fifth-round for the Chiefs. But he was, he was listed. A lot of people thought sixth, seventh-rounder. He didn't even go to the combine. It shows you what a find he was for Brett Veach. Coming up next, Pete asks a question to Mike Dana about kind of his journey to the NFL. We'll do that and your questions. Get them in. Text them in. Smitty's Garage Burgers under your text line. 913-576-7610. That next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery. 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com, and you can see him on TV on 41, and you can hear him as our insider on 610 Sports Radio, the one, the only, Pete Sweeney. The more media, the better. Pete does a lot of stuff, and he wears a lot of hats. Uh, Chiefs Chargers week. Chiefs won 12 of the last 13 games against the Chargers. Not really been much of a contest. Phillip Rivers, record against the Chiefs. It's not as bad as you would think, because you're thinking – Recency, there right. were the Chiefs had he's their been number around forever, but he started off with 11 1 against the Chiefs. But he's 14 and 15 in his 29 starts against the Kansas City Chiefs, so he is familiar w- w- with the Chiefs. As we'll see, uh, 
we'll see. Uh, that's that's what he was against the Chiefs when he played. Obviously, it's it's Justin Herbert now. But uh, we might see Phillip again with the Colts. But I just thought that was interesting. He's he, fourteen and fifteen against the Chiefs. Yeah, he he was really open in, in talking about their lack of success against Kansas City toward the end of his Chargers career. They were able to sneak in. I think it was a Thursday night win where they went for two points at the end. That was one of the four. And it would have counted the next year if they reviewed it because, remember, they were able to review pass interference. It would, they don't do it now, but they, right. the, that wouldn't if the rules were that way back then, they wouldn't have won the game. Yeah, really interesting. Anyway, so lack of success toward the end you know, against Kansas City. I'm sure that he would relish an opportunity to – Play the Chiefs again. Yeah, it's just weird. Playoffs. It's just a weird. The Chargers without him, they get the new stud. In, I like Herbert and Justin Herbert. He's interesting. He 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 to me is clearly the number two quarterback in the division. And, and you I know what? I don't know about your boy in, in Denver and Derek Carr and him and him can go after. Him. Maybe Marcus Mariota is better than both of them. Justin Herbert is. We got to see that he can play the Chiefs because literally he found out himself <laughs> right before the game. Rich Cannon had some interesting things to say about Herbert on the drive today. Because he's done a lot of his games. I think I've done more of Justin Herbert's games than any analyst in the league this year. We had him early in the year. We had him in the middle part of the year. We had him late in the year. So mm. I've seen the evolution with this guy. I mean, just going back to the game against the Chiefs week week one, or week two, I'm sorry, when he had to come in um, for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he just, you know, just it was he didn't miss a beat. I mean, he didn't look like a rookie. He didn't play like a rookie. He didn't act like a rookie. And he's, he's, done, he's done an amazing job. I think he's the the rookie of the year without question in terms of how he has played. He's been very consistent, which is unusual at that position. He's got big arm talent. He's got Michael Williams. He's got Keenan Allen. He's got some receivers that can really stretch the field. He's got a really productive tight end at Hunter Henry. You know, when they're healthy, they're running back position. They present some real problems and real issues for a defense. And this guy has got, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' mobility. Um, and I don't like comparing arm talent, but this guy isn't far behind in terms of pushing the ball down the field. He can really rock the ball. It's not a weakness on the field for him. Uh, and for a guy that is six foot six, two hundred and I think thirty seven pounds, he's got very good mobility. Mm. He can pull it down and run. And he will do that. He seems to run for a couple first downs each week. He's a little bit different than Patrick in terms of his length, his size. Uh, he's more of a pocket passer and, and not as much an ablet type of player with the ability to extend it as much, although he can do that. But he, when he's got a clean pocket, he can be very effective. I'd be surprised he doesn't throw for 300 yards this week. I mean, he's done it just about every week um, to the first 16 weeks or 15 weeks of the regular season. The former MVP, Rich Gannon, joins the drive 4.30 each and every Wednesday. You can check out the full interview on demand, 16sports.com. And it leads to this question, Pete. Yeah. Because I think, I think the AFC West, there's two quarterbacks in my mind, and it's going to be a duel between – Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, unless teams can figure out which direction to go. I like Drew Locke. I don't like the head coach in Denver, so I don't worry about that. I don't like Derek Carr. But I'll say this. I would back the Brinks truck up, hire Eric Bieniemy because to work with Justin Herbert, because right now there is not one person in the NFL you could hire that knows Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes any better than Eric Bieniemy. And you got to face him twice a year. He's been here since day one with Andy Reid. Justin Herbert, good combination. If I'm the Chargers, EB's my guy. Right, and Eric Bieniemy has been a tutor, really, for Andy Reid and his play design, and I think that would be a good fit. And you consider also, too, that they have a lot of, t- a lot of talented running backs on their roster, not only 
Austin Eckler who provides that dual threat for you, but they have a few guys who can run between the tackles and Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly. Balazs is now, I, I believe, in that mix. And so while you wouldn't, I think, as a Chiefs fan, want him to go to the division, I could see that being a fit. Also, Houston, these teams with the quarterback already in place is just so important. And I I think you'd like to see Biennemi outside the division so when they're not playing the Chiefs, you can kind of root for him a little bit. But I just hope, and talking with the man, getting to – ask him questions week by week. I just hope he lands in a place with the quarterback because, like, as we've seen in Kansas City, it takes a really long time to find the guy. There's a handful of spots out there right now that have found their guy. But I'd be looking for the guy that knows Reed and Mahomes the best, and obviously that's EB, but I'm not the one making the hire. Why don't don't you call L.A.? Before we get the questions here to finish out the hour, Pete, uh, you did ask Mike Dana something. We talked about Mike Dana with with Craig Stout. Here's a guy who was at Central Michigan, transferred to Michigan, didn't go to the combine, went in the fifth round to the Chiefs. A lot of people prognostication saying sixth and seventh round or undrafted. Here was your question uh, about uh, what he has to prove this season that he feels. Mike, I, I know there's goals to accomplish um, continuing on into the playoffs, but I know you went from Central Michigan to Michigan, did a little bit of part-time at Michigan. Did you feel like maybe that coming into this rookie season that you had something to prove and, and – does it make you more proud of what you've been able to accomplish at the pro level? Absolutely. You know, every year I come in with a chip on my shoulder and I have something to prove. And, you know, just being able to do that over the course of the years is just, you know, it feels good and also makes me feel like I'm elevating my game and I know that I'm giving, you know, what I got to this game and, you know, I'm trying to get what I got in. He's been an impressive guy. He's a sure tackler. He's tough to block. And I know we talk a lot about Sneed and Clyde and all that, but – for a rookie in this system without everything, he's really playing like he's got a chip. Yeah, and I'm not saying anything negative about my nerd squad because they're right more often than they are wrong, but they took Dana, and this was a pick that the crew wasn't in love with. And what stood out to me at the time of the draft was the call. If you can go back and watch the call where Mike Dana is called by the Chiefs and Andy Reid and – Defensive line coach Brendan Daly. Brandon Daly is so excited mm. that the Chiefs took Mike Dana and really kind of a no-name guy, part-time guy, like I was saying in that question, out of Michigan. And he's really just a workhorse, just listens to instruction, similar to Turk Wharton along the line as well. And it's the type of guy and makeup that you're always looking for in football players. And I think you're seeing the results. I mean, he has listened to instruction, and he's performing really well, and he's become a integral part of the rotation along the defensive line for the Chiefs. I agree. From the 785, Pete uh, says, Bink, you wanted to be covered in burnt ends earlier today. What's something you would hate to be covered in? I said this because the bowl games, it's tradition, like in the Idaho. I saw that there was bowl, a mayo. French fries. There was like a mayo. Mayo bowl. Yes. They put Cheez-Its on Mike Gundy last night. Mm-hmm. I said burnt ends because I would love to be covered in burnt ends. What's something? Well, they asked me what I would hate to be. Anchovies is the answer to that. I would hate to be covered in anchovies. But what would you like to be covered in, Pete? Maybe popcorn. I, I feel like when I'm having popcorn and I'm, I'm you know cuddled up on the couch watching a flick or something, I just can't get enough of popcorn. I could eat probably two, three bags if if I didn't stop myself. You ever seen that big stuff like Valley Pop or whatever they sold high vegans in a bag like uh, about three or four feet high? Got to go get one after the show. It. I like to sprinkle the ranch stuff on it and the cheese. Stuff. They have some garlic parmesan popcorn yeah. seasoning out Perfect there. Pete. Another trick, everything bagel seasoning, if you, if you got that from Trader Joe's. 
913. Bolts playing their Super Bowl this week. Um, you know, here's the thing. And I know we've got about 30 seconds. If the Chiefs finished 15-1 to and the Raiders were the only team to beat the Chiefs, they probably will add a banner next to their Week 5 champions. <laughs> it, it was certainly the Raiders' biggest win of the season, and, and they really weren't the same after that. It, it, you know, oh, some teams can't take like it. last year. It's why I started to play them again. I think the Chargers win this weekend, by the way. Well, I mean... I do think that. Mahomes is not playing, so 14-2, and 15-1. Both of them don't matter. Thanks to Craig Stout for joining his defensive film and also arrowheadpride.com. Thank you to Pete Sweeney. Ciao. Thank you to Kramer Sansone producing Spin Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery.